Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Andrew Boyd. When we came into the car park this morning, we parked our car and I found this little packet by the cars. I was going to put it in the bin. It's always upside down. It says Energy Plus Caffeine Tablets. And I was about to put them in the bin and Saren said, Oh, you found JD's secret. (laughs) These must be yours, sir. Oh, dropping them everywhere. (laughs) We don't need, he doesn't need energy tablets. We don't need caffeine tablets. What we need to do is learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Yeah? That's what we're talking about today. Do you remember last week, there was a real sense of to be continued at the end of our meeting. So this is part two. Last week, previously, previously at Kingdom Faith Worthing, (laughs) we prayed for 12 kids and their coach in a cave in Thailand. You remember that? And we prayed with a passion for these people. Let me read you the story. I'm sure you know it. Parents of a boy who was trapped in a cave in Thailand have given thanks to God following his rescue. The boy has not been named, spent 16 days along with his 11 teammates and their coach deep inside a flooded cave system with limited food and oxygen. They were found after nine days, but it took a further week to bring them out safely. And one of the rescue team, a professional diver from Thailand, died in the process. The boy's parents, who attend Maasai Grace Church in Shanghai province, gave thanks to God for their son's safe rescue. God is great love, and there's nothing he can't do. But listen, it took 19 divers three days. One gave his life during the rescue operation. One of the Thai Navy SEALs, these are elite troops, he said, we're not sure if this is a miracle or what. All 13 are out of the cave. A Belgian caver, Jim Warney, added, We didn't expect that there would be such a good outcome. It is a truly amazing miracle that those boys got to got home, go home to their families. And a British missionary in the city of Shanghai said, It really is a miracle and a result of prayer. Thank you for praying. Come on, let's just give him one. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful. So we prayed our hearts out. And then in the middle of it, you might remember from the stage, Tom brought us a word about resting in the Lord. So on the one hand, we're praying our hearts out. And then a second or two later, there's a word about resting in the Lord. Now, it seems like a paradox. It seems like a contradiction in terms. You pray your heart out and the Lord says rest. How do we square that one up? How do we reconcile what are two apparent polar opposites? Anybody else struggle with this one? Yeah, I can see a nod of recognition from over here. How do we bring those two together? Well, J.D. preached to us from the story of David at Ziklag, and we had that sense of to be continued. So I want to go back to that story, and I want to bring these two points of praying your heart out and resting in the Lord together so that they meet. Okay, because I need to hear this one. So last week we heard how David's camp at Ziklag was raided by the Amalekites. They burned the city. They took the wives. They took the children. They took everything. And the men, completely disheartened, wept their hearts out and then decided to stone David. And David, exhausted, strengthened himself in the Lord. 
And he inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue these Amalekites? Well, here's the backstory to this. In 1 Samuel 30, David and his 600 men had already been out on maneuvers with the Philistines. They were preparing for battle. So they've been busy fighting, marching army guys who were giving it their all, and then they were dismissed. And then they went home to Ziklag to see the smoke rising from this place. They marched for three days after their maneuvers to get back to Ziklag. They found it destroyed, plundered, their wives, their children, everything gone. Verse 4, So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength to weep. The men were bitter in spirit because of their sons and daughters, and they were talking of stoning David. These hungry, dismayed, distraught men, they're unable to take any provisions for themselves after all this. Why? Because it's been burnt down. Everything that could be taken, everything that wasn't nailed down is gone. So at the end of this, they have nothing to eat or drink. And then they march 12 to 15 miles to the Bezor Ravine towards the Amalekites. By now, two of David's, 200 of David's 600 men are just too exhausted to make the crossing. They're broken in their hearts. They're broken in their spirits and they're exhausted. And they give up, which leaves David with 400 men. The word says David eats no food or water for three days and three nights. Now, I don't know whether that's another three days and three nights or not. But what we know is we have a hungry, thirsty, troubled bunch of people here. Then they find an abandoned slave who shows them the way to the Amalekites, and then they have to march some more. Think back to the rescue in the Thai cave. Yeah, we prayed. We prayed. We prayed our hearts out, and one man gave his life to rescue these kids. They didn't give up. And David and his 400 catch up with this enormous raiding party. We don't know how many there are, but there's an enormous amount of them, and they are so confident now. They're not expecting any of this. They are drunk, and they're dancing victory jigs. So David's men fight them from dusk one day. This is after all this. They fight them from dusk one day to the evening of the next day, and they annihilate them. The text says that none got away except 400. 400 was the number that David had. And that 400 is considered so insignificant compared with the size of this raiding party that the word says none got away. Just 400. That's how many David brought to the fight. The 400 who get away are just insignificant. 1 Samuel 13, 30, 18 to 19 says, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken including his two wives. Nothing was missing. Can you just say it with me? Nothing Nothing. was missing. Young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they'd taken, David brought everything back. Can you say everything? everything? Well, I've left something out of this story. What J.D. emphasized last week, 1 Samuel 36 But David, but David, but 
David found strength in the Lord his God. Listen, how did he find that strength? It wasn't just lying on the ground waiting for him to trip over it. This guy's exhausted. He's wept until he's got no more energy. They're hungry. They've lost everything. He has nothing. Where does he find his strength? How does he find his strength? He digs for it. It's not sitting there waiting for him to just pick it. Oh, there's my strength. Oh, I found it. I thought I'd lost it. I found it. I tripped over it. Oh, no. He digs for his strength. He has to search for it. It's as though his life depends on it. And it does. And his wives and his children and everybody else's lives depend on David finding his strength in the Lord. So David went to the priest and he put on the ephod, the priestly robe. Now, J.D. described that last week as like putting on Christ. David put on Christ. And David, at his lowest level, he takes up the mantle God has given to his people. Now, the book of Exodus describes the ephod as containing gold and purple. It signifies royalty. It shows that the people who wear this are the king's possession. And David, from a place of utter defeat and destruction. He puts on the royal priestly robe and he stands up as a son of the king. 1 Peter 2.9, you, you, Colin, you, you are a chosen people. You, Janet, you are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation belonging to God that you may declare, that word means show forth, demonstrate, not just speak, demonstrate the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. How are you going to do it? Put on the ephod. Put on Christ. Stand up when you're down. So David shows us how to strengthen ourselves in God. And the word says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We are to put on Christ and take our stand in him. And from that position of standing in all that God is, listen to me, and in all that David is in God. It's both. It's not just in all that God is. It's all that he's called you to be in him. Stand up in it. David seeks the Lord to discover his will. Okay, he's not there yet. He's just stood up. Now, He seeks the Lord to discover his will. And he doesn't stop until he hears from the Lord. And what the Lord says to him, he does. Regardless of the effort, the enormous risk, and the great cost involved, David does it. 1 Samuel 38, 30, verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? What a spirit this man has got. I'm not sure that would have been my natural prayer. But he's going, come on, shall I get after these people? Shall I go for them? Remember how much walking and marching and exhaustion there is? How they've eaten nothing, they've drunk nothing? Pursue them, the Lord answers. You will certainly overtake them. 
and succeed in the rescue. So the outcome, they pursued, they overtook, and they recovered all. Well, Acts 13.22 tells us why David was a man after God's heart. I found David, a man after my own heart. Why? Because he will do everything I want him to do. No matter how hard. Now here's a question. Did God bring the Amalekites to David? Or did David have to go to the Amalekites? Were David and his men tired and hungry? Who did the pursuing, the overtaking, and the fighting? David or God? It's not a trick question. David did. Who gave them success? The Lord did. But David had to go and fight. How are we to love the Lord our God? Please tell me. With all our heart, our passion, with all our soul, our personality, all that I am, and with all our, you said it, Rory, strength. Come on, let's have strength in the church, in the UK. The church in the UK had strength and conquered the world for Christ. I'm not talking about the British Empire, folks, you know that. I'm talking about the missionary movement that went out across the world. God made that possible. In the same way as the Roman Empire made it possible for the gospel to spread, the British Empire, which I'm not defending, I'm not talking about that, made it possible for the church to send missionaries across the world. They got up, they put on the ephod, and they said, we are pursuing, we are overtaking, and we're recovering, because God sent them and they went. Deuteronomy 6, I'm going to dot around. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing Jordan to possess. I just want to remind you how long it took to possess it. So that you may enjoy long life, that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, verse 18, so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. So when we pray for the kids in Thailand or anything that matters, We pray with a passion. That's how God calls us to pray. Not with politeness. With a passion. Here's another example, 1 Samuel 6. When the ark returns, David wearing an ephod, for us that's David in Christ, dances before the Lord with all his might. And his wife, despises him for it. And his reply to her, I will become even more undignified than this. Listen, and while David goes from strength to strength, the one who despises him becomes barren. Just as flesh opposes spirit, religion opposes faith, 
And those who trust in a form of religion in their own strength become spiritually barren. God has promised a land flowing with milk and honey. What does that mean? These are people who built (coughs) bricks. They, They put bricks together. They were slaves. These are not beekeepers. These are not cattle ranchers. You want a land flowing with milk and honey? You've got to learn how to keep bees. Okay, you're going you're gonna to get stung, sorry. You're going to ha- have to learn how to be a cattle rancher. Ooh, they're big things, these cattle. And they've got sharp horns. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get jostled a bit. Maybe kicked. There's a risk of being trampled. You want milk and honey? You need bees and cows. Get on with it. And it goes on to say, that verse in Deuteronomy, thrusting out your enemies, who does that? God says to Joshua, you're going to do that. That means taking up arms. That means training for battle. That means risking everything. That means getting stuck in to the fight. You don't thrust out enemies with politeness. Loving the Lord your God with all your strength is neither cheap nor easy. The Amalekites who plunder Ziklag, they represent those who despise their birthright. Why? Because they're descendants of Esau. Esau despised his birthright. Jacob got the birthright. The swindler got the birthright because he could value, he recognized a good thing when he saw it and he went for it and he pursued it and he overtook it and it became his, and God blessed him for it, not Esau. The Amalekites are descendants, and their name means literally a people who lick up and exhaust, a people who strangle the life out of you, a people who are warlike, worldly, and with no fear of the Lord. That's the Amalekites. Who are your Amalekites today? What circumstances or situations is Satan using to try to suck up your energy and strangle the life out of you? Because Satan was the first one to despise his birthright. And he makes, he persuades others to be like him. And how do you deal with the Amalekites? You strengthen yourself in the Lord. You put on Christ. You seek the Lord's word and his will and his face, and then you do what he tells you. You pursue. You overtake. You recover all. I said you pursue. You overtake. And you recover all. Here's another example from David, 2 Samuel 6. David inquires of the Lord, Shall I attack these Philistines? And time and again... As David inquires, God replies. We need to listen, to learn to listen to the voice of God. If we're seeking his counsel, let's learn to get it and let's learn to act upon it. If you're seeking his counsel and you're not getting it, is it just a possibility that the Lord is going, the last 10 things I told you to do, have you done them yet? So God shows how and David gets the victory. David depends upon God. 
He seeks him, he gets answers, he obeys, but David still has to do the heavy lifting. He doesn't treat God like a magician or his word like a book of spells. David has to march, he has to fight, he has to put himself in harm's way, he has to struggle, he has to overcome. David is a warrior, not a warrior. Which one are you? 2 Samuel 5.20 So David went to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Perazim. Can you just say Baal Perazim? It means God breaks out. Do you want God to break out in your life? Through your life. It's the place of Baal Perazim, but it's a place of battle. If we want to advance his rule and his reign, then David shows us how. So here's the lesson of David. Get up when you're down. Put on Christ. Strengthen yourself in him. Be who he says you are. Not the one whose circumstances or those around you say you are. What did they say of David? They said, David, you're a has-been and you're fit only for stoning. That's what they said. It wasn't true. Seek God's will. Carry it out. Story of David and Goliath, there's a little line in there which just lit up to me some years back. He ran towards his enemies. (laughs) He didn't run away from them. David was taught how to pursue, overtake, and recover all. And he goes on to fight forces far more powerful than him and his little band of 400. Remember, 400 Amalekites got away an insignificant number compared with those they defeated. This is how we love the Lord, with all our heart and soul and strength. This is what it means by strive to enter my rest. Such a strange phrase in Hebrews. Really? I can do the striving or I could do the resting. I'm not sure I can do both at the same time. Hang on. Strive to enter my rest. Hebrews 4.9. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, strive to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. This is not rest from every work. This is rest from dead works. This is rest from your will, your ambitions, your desires, your fears. This is entering and embracing the will of God for your life, which is active. And the next phrase goes, for the word of God is alive and active. So should the people of God be alive and active. We should be God-focused, God-motivated, God-serving and God-inspired, filled with his spirit, rich in his word, alive and active and world-changing. A people who live to see his kingdom come, who pursue 
overtake and recover all. The peace of God, the rest of God, is not limp and inactive. It is not passive and pathetic. The rest of God is when we, like David, lay down our agenda and put on the ephod and stand as God's priests, the royal people who we're called to be, the holy people he's made us, the nation belonging to God. Remember, David didn't just stand up in all that God was. He stood up in all that God made him to be. So the rest of God, which is so important, you must hear me, because I think this this matters. My whole life, this one, back and forth, back and forth on this particular issue. The rest comes when we confidently approach the throne of God, when we stand in his presence, when we seek his face, his word, his will, when we strengthen ourselves in the spirit of God, when we receive his commission, when we step out in a living and active faith and pursue and overtake and recover all. That's the rest of God. As God said to Moses, sound like the beginning of a joke there, didn't it? As God said to Moses, my presence will go with you and give you rest. Without that, we're in the flesh. It's not a baton race. It's not like that. God doesn't say, Sandra, here's the baton, go run. And I'll be back here cheering you on. No, no, he says, let's run together. It's not a relay race with the Lord. He's both our destination and our journey. Silly picture thought came to me earlier. Do you remember, parents, do you remember teaching your children to ride a bike? Yeah, a little tiny bike with little stabilizers on it. You think those stabilizers are going to come off today. Yeah, they are. That, they're off. The stabilizers are off today, okay? And you've got one parent over there who's going, come on! And the kid is going, ah! Pedal, pedal, come on, come on! But the other parent is behind, holding the back of the saddle. Yeah, the little kid doesn't know about that. They just know there's one over there going, come on! How am I going to get there? But there's one behind holding the saddle, making sure you don't fall off. How many terrible parents have we got here who let their kids (laughs) fall off the bike? Anyway, um, God goes before us and God goes behind us. All will be well and all will be well and all manner of things will be well. You're not on your own. David wasn't sent on his own with God going, I wonder how he's getting on. You know, there's another example, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, from Jehoshaphat, where God says, you don't have to fight this one today, you just stand still. Now that, please don't use that as your sole model for living. Because it's it's on its own. Every time here we see David having to go and fight. And I tell you, in in the Jehoshaphat story... This tiny army of Israelites faced an enormous horde, bigger than this Amalekite raiding party, an enormous horde. And God said, take up your positions to stand. Really? In harm's way. Yeah. With this vast army who will trample you if, I, if you've got this wrong. You, will ju- you, you, are, you are a stain on the earth if you're mishearing me. 
they had to go as an army who had trained to fight battle, who knew how to fight battle, with the weapons that they'd forged and learned how to use, and they had to stand in harm's way, and God delivered them. God delivered them. But please don't use that as your model for life and as your excuse, talking to me, for saying, okay, Lord, you do it. Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake? Shall I recover all? Yeah, David, go for it. God was with him, but he had to fight. You want a land flowing with milk and honey? There's no shortcuts. You have to learn to keep bees, rear cattle, put in the hard work, get stung, trampled, and kicked, and never mind, because you'll get your milk and you'll get your honey. You want increase, prosperity, and a long life, because that's what it talks about in Deuteronomy 6, when you love the Lord with all your strength. Then make God rather than yourself your focus. Let him be both your destination and your journey. You want to see Baal Perizim? God break out. I know you do. We all do. I want to see, we want to see God break in, break through, and break out. It's not just for us, and we know that. We know that. There's a world in need out there. How do we do that? Then seek first, and second, and third, and fourth, and last, with all of your passion, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, always seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, how to live right before me in the difficult dilemmas of life. Seek that first, always first, and then these things will be added to you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. But here's the good thing. Where does your strength come from? God, that's right. The one who tells you to love him with all his strength is the one who supplies the strength for you to love him. Oh, thank you, God, because I'm on this little bicycle here and the stabilizers have just come off and you're over there and I've got, well, how am I going to, I'm going to, no, there's a hand on the saddle. I'm all right. I'm all right. Our strength comes from the Lord, the one who gave us the breath in our lungs, the blood in our veins, the desires of our hearts. He supplies the strength. This is where the strive to enter my rest and the rest come together. God is our source and supply of God himself, who is our source and supply. He's the one. So we turn your eyes upon Jesus. I'm not going to sing it either. Look full in his wonder. I am singing it. No, I'm not. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The Amalekites are just nothing. They're just nothing. But you have to deal with them with his strength and under his commission and not in the flesh. Not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Psalm 28.7 says, The Lord is my strength and shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. Hallelujah. We're going to take communion in a minute. And we've deliberately put the bread and the wine there because today of all days, it's about saying, I am going up to take strength from the King of Kings, 
strength to fight the Amalekites in my life. We've all got them. Those that strangle, that just suck the life out of you, that discourage you, that have been there forever, that take your increase. Today we're going to pursue them. We're going to overtake them. And we're going to recover all that God has for us. For that we need to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. I'm going to play you a song. You may not know it. The song is called I'm Looking for a Fighting People. It's by Godfrey Bertle, who I just love. You don't, may not know it, what you're going to see are the lyrics. You'll hear it. But what I want you to listen to when you're hearing this song, this was recorded at Bethel Community. Bethel Community is a community of drug addicts who have been delivered and set free and who are on that journey towards deliverance and freedom too. Whatever your Amalekites are today, they're probably not much compared with the voices you hear in the background here. I just want you to catch their spirit. So if you don't know the song, you'll join in as we go. Sing along. The words will come up on the screen. But I really want you to listen to the spirit of the singers. Let's stand up, please. Father, we stand before you, Lord. And we just thank you for who you are. Just thank you for who you are, Lord God. At nine o'clock this morning, Janet led a prayer meeting and she gave such a beautiful feminine side to this message. It's the same message. She didn't know that. But she said so gently, like the one with a hand on the saddle, it's okay, I'm with you. It's all right. It's it's okay. I'll never leave you. You've said it all this meeting, Lord. I'll never leave you. Lord, you said today, I'm the one that pursues you. I'm the one that pursues you. Lord, you are the great pursuer. And Father, we just ask you to make us in your image and in the image of no other, to be the one that pursues people, to recover them, to overtake the enemy. The gates of hell will not prevail against your people. They will not prevail against us, against us. So, Father, we ask you, Lord, just to put in our stomachs, Lord, the fire to say whatever has been taken from me in the past by the enemy, often using people, but it's the enemy. Today we serve you notice. We will pursue you. We will overtake you. And we will recover all and more than we lost. More than we lost. David came back with more plunder. Lord God, just put that feistiness inside of us, Lord, that says we're going to fight. We're going to fight. We are going to put ourselves in harm's way. We recognize that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And we're going to do it under your hand, in Christ, in all that we are in Christ, having sought your face, having heard your word. We will go and do it. So, Father, we just say today, Lord God, what has been taken from individuals in this room, what has been taken from the body of Christ, what has been taken from a hurting world that needs the body of Christ, we just say, Father God, restore, 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 because we want to be and we are going to be a people who declare your praises, and that means demonstrate them. We will demonstrate 
the victory of our God. We will demonstrate that you are the overcomer. We will demonstrate that you give back more than we could ever have asked for or ever have imagined. You are the God who restores. So, Father, help us today, Lord God, to learn to strengthen ourselves in you. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.